0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Think Orange
1: podcast,
0: a podcast with ideas and conversations to help you influence the next
1: generation. G'day, everyone. My name is Dave and welcome to the Think Orange podcast. We're back. The Think Orange podcast is back after a little bit of a break during which we actually reimagined our podcast so that we could bring you the best ideas and insights from the breakouts, messages, and conversations we've had at Orange. Now, as always, our goal for the podcast is to encourage, inspire, and resource you by giving you access to the speakers and thought leaders and experts who are rethinking and reimagining the way ministry can be done. And that's specifically what we'll be discussing in today's episode. We're going to hear from Reggie Joyner, the founder and CEO of Orange, about the future of the church. What will it look like and how can you ensure that your church continues to make an impact in your local community? So let's jump straight in.
0: Some of you may not know that I was a history major in college, and I have this one specific day that I'll never forget when we were studying a period of history in which the church's behavior had not been very great. Uh, The church did do some bad things in history. And it just so happened that a lot of the class was getting kind of negative and critical about the church and the role of the church. And they started arguing and they were going back and forth. Our professor was an agnostic and he didn't seem to be interested at all in stopping the conversation. And um, I just remember, I hope they don't find out what I do because I was in ministry. And at some point, I remember a guy just standing up in class and saying, you know what, the whole world would just be a better place if the church just went away and it didn't exist. And that's when my agnostic professor did something that shocked me. He simply said to the entire class, no, if the church went away in our culture, it would be like turning the lights off. I've thought about that for a long time. I mean, even an agnostic professor in a college recognized in this moment in time the power of the church to do good things. And to do important things. And sometimes I think, as leaders who work in the church, we need to be reminded that the church exists to demonstrate who God is to a generation in a way that's positive, in a way that warms, in a way that heals. And sometimes we get caught up in all of the different things that are happening and we see the church misstep and we forget. No, 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 no. The church is here for a very specific reason. And it starts with introducing a world to who Jesus is. And it was actually Jesus one day that unpacked this idea in a way that I think has an implication for the future of the church. I want you to listen to what he said for just a second. Let your light shine so others can see it. Then they will see the good things you do, and they will bring glory to God who is in heaven. Now, again, I want you to think about this. Jesus was basically saying that day, you have the potential to turn the lights on and there's a generation that needs you to do that. Now, I think sometimes people, especially Christians in the church, can take the imagery of light and they take this passage out of context and they make it mean something that I don't think Jesus intended because there's something about having access to the light that makes us think we can use it to expose what is wrong and what is sin and there's a place for that. But there's also a sense in which we want to take light and light can be a dangerous thing. It can burn, right? It can blind. We like to use light to blame. But but that's not the kind of light that Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about a light that reflects the goodness of God. I mean, what would it look like if the church in our generation did that? I mean, he's talking about a light that warms, the nature or the character of a light that heals, a light that actually does something good. I mean, somewhere in the context of the church, We need to back up and go, how are we demonstrating who Jesus is to a generation by doing what he said we're supposed to do, by being a light and showing people by the good things that we do, his nature? You know, from time to time, we just need to remember that. And I think there have been people who've shown up in our culture to remind us of that, that we are supposed to demonstrate the goodness of God to a generation. One of my favorite former pastors who became kind of this cultural influence was Mr. Fred Rogers. And... Some people don't know what his life mission was, but the one thing that was was his goal that drove him to do everything that he did, and he said this multiple times, he just existed, and I love this statement, to make good attractive again. I mean, what would it look like if the church, as we're thinking about the future of the church, just decided we would do that? We would just show the goodness and the kindness, actually the fruit of the Spirit to a generation who needs to have a fresh demonstration of who God is. There's actually a phrase that we've started using with our staff that reminds us about this principle, and we we call it a revival of humanity. We think there's a need for us more than ever before to dial back in to the church what it looks like, and this sounds kind of crazy, to simply be more human, with the people that are around us and understand that there's a way in which we can show up in their human world and be kind and be good and be caring in the spaces right now that are broken broken, and hurting. Somewhere in the context of our culture, when we look at politics, when we look at the neighborhoods that are changing around us, and when we look at the role of the church, we think there's a, a new, fresh call. So let's just further explain it this way. The church that has a future will be the church who learns how to make a positive impact on someone's future. Now, again, we think there's a disconnect between faith and what we know faith has the potential to do in the future of a kid or a teenager who's growing up in our community, in our church. And as, as leaders, we have to bridge that gap. We have to make sure that the faith we're handing them, the version of church that we're handing them, the version of Jesus that we're handing them is in keeping with what Jesus taught and who he was actually in the New Testament. And it's somehow in the context of what we're exporting to a generation that they actually understand and believe and see that it impacts their future. It impacts their everyday life. It's an everyday kind of faith that ultimately will affect their future. It will affect how they work together. It will affect you know, how they create and innovate and dream and how they build families. I mean, there's, there's so much tied into this, but the churches that are going to have a place in the next decade and the future are gonna to have to start rethinking some things. They're gonna to have to start pivoting and all of the pivots that they're gonna make have to come back to this idea that Jesus said When he said, do good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven because we're setting a standard and we're showing a world what it looks like to follow him and to imagine living in that invisible kingdom that he explained in the Sermon on the Mount. That there's so much packed into this. So I'm going to give you a partial list today of some of the things that I think churches who will impact the future will actually do. It's not everything, it's a few things. For example, churches who impact the future will be churches who lead volunteers like they are humans with a life outside of serving the church. And what would it look like if all of a sudden the volunteers in your church began to realize by the way you treated them, by the way you led them, by the way you invested in them, that you not only cared about what they did inside the walls of your church but you care about their future. You, you care about their everyday life and what is happening in their relationships and what's happening in their world and in their jobs and in their careers. Somewhere in the context of our ministry, we turn on a light when we help volunteers have their faith integrate with their everyday world. And here's another one. The churches who will impact the future will be churches who respect parents like they are humans raising humans. I mean, somewhere in the parenting space, We've got to recognize that the parents we're working with, especially right now, have felt a different level of pain and a different level of responsibility and a different level of being overwhelmed. What does it look like to lean into parents and to simply help them do the job that they're designed to do? And by parents, we mean every adult who's a caregiver who has a responsibility you know, with a home and a family. It can be a grandparent, it can be a guardian, it can be a step-parent. You know, we just we just want to lean in and go in the communities around us, what does it look like for us? Think about this. Not to simply care about the parents who are participating on a Sunday morning in our church because we know that dial has shifted. But what does it look like to actually engage with parents outside the walls of the church so that, again, we can turn on a light to help them win at home? And here's the third thing. Learn from humans who do not look or think like you or think the same. I'm gonna make a suggestion that your ability to grow as a leader, your ability to improve as a leader, your ability to have influence with the people around you, your ability to have influence with your own children is gonna be connected to how well you can develop empathy and how well you can grow and learn as a leader. And if you don't listen to people who are different than you, if you don't understand how to disrupt the narrative and the story in your life, the version of the world that you've kind of decided and listened to someone else's story, you will lack the ability and the skills necessary to build a bridge to all kinds of people in a growing and changing culture. This is such an important principle, especially in what's happening today, that we lean in to the lives and the stories and the hearts of people that are different, and we allow them to impact us so that we can make sure they understand who Jesus is in a way that I think he intends. Think about this. Isn't that the reason Jesus became a human? So that we would know that he knew, so that we would trust him. Again, we're not going to go there right now, but the key to the future of the church is rebuilding trust with the generation. Let me give you another one. What about this? Model what it looks like to be human for a generation who is watching. I think personally the thing that bothers me when I watch kids and teenagers watch the way adults and Christian leaders respond to each other and react during the season is because I know they're taking their cue. They're deciding what they think about faith and about Christianity based on one simple idea—how we treat each other as Christians. And it's one thing for politicians to fight. It's another thing for people in different groups of, of, of our country to fight about different reasons. But when the family of God, when Christians and those who call themselves Christians don't lean into each other and care about each other and treat each other a certain way, then that's an indicator to them that this version of faith, this version of the church that we have, isn't something they want. And here's something, and we've all learned this one because of what has happened in the last, you know, year. Leverage technology as a positive and practical way for humans to connect with humans. Going forward as a church... Technology is not going to become less important. It's going to become more important. And those of you who've shifted and pivoted to use technology in effective ways, I promise you, organizations and companies around this country, they've recognized the need for this. And they're going to be brand new innovations. And the church isn't leveraging that to connect to humans and to connect humans to each other in a way that's impactful we're going to lose influence with a generation. What we're suggesting is that when gatherings start back, you will still need to be leveraging technology in a way to help people connect and to do your ministry. Now, one of the indicators that we use to decide if technology is being used right or wrong is simply this issue. Does it dehumanize or does it humanize? And there's a lot packed into that idea, but we want to talk some more about what does it look like as leaders and as a church to leverage technology to build a bridge to a generation. And here's another one. Think about this. Export a version of everyday faith and hope that is built on loving your neighbor. The neighborhood is changing and it's going to continue to change. When you look at demographics in the next decade, they're not going to be what they were 20 years or 30 years or 40 years ago. There's never going to be a sense in which we're going back to that version of what our communities look like. So what is it What does it look like for us to look into the future and go, hey, let's begin building bridges and let's begin demonstrating what Jesus actually said to love your neighbor. And when Jesus told the story about loving your neighbor, it was really simple. He took the word neighbor and he redefined it for all time. Because when you look at the context of that passage and the story he told about the Good Samaritan, he was simply putting a stake in the ground to say that your neighbor is someone who doesn't look like you, your neighbor is someone who doesn't think like you, and I think he was implying this. You can't make disciples. You can't get people to follow me if you don't love them as your neighbor first. We're going to say this a lot this year. You can't make disciples if you don't love your neighbor. You can't make disciples if you don't love your neighbor. We, we want to make disciples without loving our neighbor. I'll even say it this way. You can't make disciples if you don't like your neighbor. I mean, somewhere in the context of, of our ministry, we've got to give our leaders permission to like people who are their neighbors, even if they don't believe what they believe. And here's another one, advocate for humans who are marginalized and hurting. You know, the key to this is proximity. Chances are around your church, there are neighbors and there are communities that are in trouble, that for decades have been hurting. And I think going forward in the next decade, the power of your church isn't going to simply be what is measured inside your walls. We say this all the time. You will not measure success in your church by who shows up on a Sunday morning. You will measure success in your church by the people who are connected to your your church that show up in the lives of other people. In the context of this, this is important because somewhere we have to own the responsibility of getting close enough to the people that are hurting around us that we care enough. Why? Because we're called to do good things. We're called to turn on a light. We're called to show a world what it looks like if Jesus stepped into this situation and he cared for the people around us. And here's one more. Change whatever needs to be changed to help every human trust God and each other. I mean, I I hope you've seen, you know, a theme all the way through here, which has to do with what does the church need to do to rebuild trust with the people around them? Because what's at stake, if you don't turn on a light and they don't see the way you treat them, is their trust and their faith toward the God who you say you believe in. So somewhere in our ministries, we've got to understand that as much as we need to innovate and as much as we need to change, and we need to... We've got to do it in the context of rebuilding trust with the people in our communities and the people in our church. In other words, if you do the hard work of rebuilding trust with volunteers, of rebuilding trust with parents in your community, of rebuilding trust with a generation that mistrusts the organizations around it because of what they've seen, and especially the church, if you do the hard work of beginning to rebuild that trust, then... Your programs and your ministries will take on a different kind of meaning and a different kind of significance. So the one thing I want you to remember is that if you're a leader who's working in the space of ministry for kids and teenagers, I'm sure that this past year has been difficult. I'm sure that maybe your church is reorged. I'm sure you're trying to figure out what parts of ministry work, and that's before we get to your personal world. That's before we get to someone that you care about passed away because of COVID or because finances and the economy is kind of crashing and because there's so much unpredictability and uncertainty in the world and we're trying to figure out how to educate our children in this space. I mean, we add all that up and it just seems impossible. And there's a tendency for you just to back away and go, I just don't know what to do anymore. And we just want to lean in for just a second and say, no, no, let's just get everybody on the same page and remind us all of the mission. Let your light shine. Do good to a generation because in doing the good that you can do, especially right now, especially now that the lights are turned off, especially now that it's one of the darkest moments we've ever experienced, especially now you have an opportunity like never before for a world who's watching to see who Jesus is. So the church that has a future is going to be the church that turns on that light and the church that makes a positive impact in the future of a generation. And this is the greatest opportunity we've ever had to
1: demonstrate what that looks like. Well, I don't know about you, but I personally found that so inspiring. And our whole podcast team hopes that this episode was helpful for you. If you'd like to learn more about Orange or if you're looking for free resources to help you do ministry better into the future, then make sure you check out orangeleaders.com. That website again is orangeleaders.com. If this episode was helpful, make sure you give us a review and rating on Apple Podcast. And it's also super helpful if you subscribe to us on Apple Podcast, Google Play, Stitcher or SoundCloud, because then you will never miss an episode of the Think Orange Podcast. And make sure you share this episode with a friend, either in person or online, using the hashtag ThinkOrangePodcast. Well, thanks so much for listening. My name is Dave. And remember, whenever you think next generation or church strategy, think orange.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you for listening to the Think Orange Podcast.
0: Join us next time for more ideas and conversations to help you influence the next generation. For more episodes and show notes, visit thinkorangepodcast.com.